0: The Bible is most Christians' go-to for how to live and to know what God wants us to do. It, it really, like for me, I feel like it's this text message from God on a daily basis, or how to live by, like what to live by, and and how to know as a Christian what we should do. Like, it's almost a how-to book. Um, I wouldn't call it a self-help book because it's nothing that I do, but it's definitely this amazingly Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, and I feel like the words in the Bible are there for an absolute purpose. And we need to just keep looking at them and studying them and questioning them and digging deep into them and talking about them. I mean, can we ever really know absolutely what God is saying to us? I feel like that might be a little bit arrogant of us, And yet some of the sentences and verses are pretty straightforward. And so I just like talking about it. And this week and the last week and the week before, I am talking about family. And so this is the third episode in this series on family. And it's interesting what the Bible has to say. I wasn't really sure how to go about researching families in the Bible other than like Googling families in the Bible, mostly because I like to talk about the families of the Bible that I know. And I've talked about some of them already in the first week. And then last week when I talked about specifically about moms, but I started writing down just what we know about families. And so obviously families do consist of a mom and dad. It takes a female egg and a male sperm to create a child. So certainly that is the start of a family, but it doesn't necessarily mean everybody's family has a mom and a dad. And I love the fact that the Bible points that out specifically. I talked about moms last week. And so in the world of dads and a family in the Bible that talks about specifically a dad, and then it makes you wonder, was it a single dad doesn't say anything about the wife or the mother ever and that is the dad in the prodigal son and he's such a good dad like he has these two sons and one of them wants their inheritance um like now and he splits up the inheritance and he's all good with it and the kid goes off and squanders it all on reckless living and realizes he makes a mistake and he comes back and the dad is happy to see him. The dad not only welcomes him back, but throws a giant party for him. Of course, the brother gets mad and the dad doesn't get mad at the bro- the other brother. He's like, hey, I love you so much that everything I have is yours. And we just need to celebrate That your brother is back and just such a good story, such a good dad. And interestingly enough, the mom is never mentioned. And I think it's interesting though, just because like, if there is a mom like that had to kill her, that her son left and was gone and was off the beaten path. But that's not the point of the story. The point of this story is a loving father. And of course, That points to our Heavenly Father. So there's other good dad and there's a couple bad dad stories in there too. I thought it was also interesting that there are other stories, and I can't quite put my finger on it in terms of, I thought in the book of Esther. I thought Esther was raised by her uncle, but it might actually be her cousin. And so I got to investigate that a little bit more and certainly always open to viewers emailing me at com to tell me anything They want to tell me and certainly correct me on anything that I make a mistake on, because I will make a mistake. I am the hippie Christian who cares, but who cares if I make a mistake? And I don't mean to make light of not getting my Bible facts straight, But I just mean that I'm not saying I'm a genius or a scholar or anybody that is better than anybody. And so I do make mistakes. And sometimes it's just how we learn. So Esther was raised by um, somebody in her family, because her parents had died. And that became her family, her and Mordecai. And the irony that Mordecai would save her by taking her on as family. Um, But then Esther would also save Mordecai in terms of her role as the queen. Great story on so many levels. And just a perfect story about how families aren't always a mom and a dad. Also, uh, Samuel, that is a good story, because Hannah prays so hard for a child. Turns out that her husband, Elkanah, also had a wife, Penina, or Penny, as I often shorten a name that I can't pronounce properly. But Penny has children and Hannah does not. But Elkanah actually loves Hannah better. So, like, I mean, right there, that is definitely God indirectly saying, don't have two wives. It's just not the way it's supposed to be because it always goes wrong. Well, Hannah prays to the point that, when she's in the temple, Eli, the priest, thinks she's drunk. And she's like, I'm not drunk. I'm just praying so hard for a child. And he says, well, don't worry, God will hear you. Um, And I think he says that probably prophetically, but also because God does hear us when we pray. And sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait, but sometimes when we pray and it is God's will, it for sure will happen. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but there's just a lot of truth to it. And and sometimes it's just not for us to know. And so Hannah is praying and praying, and she does, in fact, get pregnant um, to the point that she says, you know, like, I will give my child back to you. And so here is an example of, I guess this would be like foster. Um, Eli didn't adopt Samuel, but he definitely raises him up. And so it's sort of a foster situation, but Samuel, I'm sure saw his mother once a year or his family once a year or something like that. We don't know. It doesn't really say, but again, just another family situation, a a family dynamic that somebody will relate to. Also, and I just kept writing down families I could think of or things maybe that I have in my life. We talked about in-laws when we talked about mothers, but in-laws are definitely mentioned. Um, Peter's mother-in-law is mentioned because she's sick and dying and Jesus raises her from the dead and she immediately gets up and starts cooking everybody some supper. And So I just think it's cool that in-laws are mentioned in the Bible. Aunts and uncles are mentioned, and Elizabeth is the aunt that comes to my mind. Elizabeth is the aunt of Mary. And so she is pregnant before Mary and is pregnant with John the Baptist, The really cool part about Elizabeth is that when Mary finds out that she's pregnant, she goes to stay with Elizabeth, and part of that, I'm sure, is to kind of stay on the down low because single girls shouldn't get pregnant, particularly in biblical days because they were at risk of being stoned to death. And so she stays with Elizabeth. And when Mary comes in, Elizabeth's baby would leap in her womb and the baby would end up being John, the baptizer. And she says, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come here? And it's, Elizabeth knows. Elizabeth is clearly filled with the Holy Spirit and recognizes that not only the baby she's carrying is special, but the baby Mary is carrying is actually our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so how cool is that? And so Elizabeth, Mary's aunt. There's also nephews that are talked about as in Lot. Abraham's nephew. And that probably brings up the subject of crazy family members because Lot just always didn't make the best decisions. It seemed like when he was around Abraham, he seemed to stick to the straight and narrow. But anytime he was off on his own, he just was either looking for something that the, only the earthly, like, I'm stumbling here over my words, but like earthly things, looking for earthly ways to make him happy or just making bad choices, including drinking too much. And just, you know, that's family, right? You always have somebody in your family that, you have to stick up for a little bit, or I don't know, maybe I am that weird member of the family that my brothers and sisters are like, Ooh, there's Chrissy doing that again. But it is important to take care of family and Abraham does a great job um, helping Lot out as much as he can. And clearly God wants us to know about Lot and we can learn from good behavior and bad behavior. So I just think it's interested that, you know, nephews are mentioned. And if Mordecai is actually Esther's uncle, then she would be his niece. So I got to look that one up. I think I saw though that Mordecai took in his uncle and aunt's Child, which would mean they are cousins. So anyways, I digress because I am talking about... I'm going backwards instead of going forward. But there are cousins in the Bible because we know that John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. And how cool is that? You know what I mean? Your cousin gets to be the guy who... Um, introduces you to the whole world and introduces you as the savior of all. That's pretty awesome. I have some super awesome cousins. I really do. I have um, some cousins I don't know very well on my mother's side of the family only because space didn't allow us to get to know each other and On my dad's side of the family, we moved to Wisconsin when I was in the first grade and our house, um, wasn't even purchased yet. So my parents were going to rent a house, but before we even got into that house, we stayed at cousin's house. And so we went to my aunt, Barb and uncle Jack's house and stayed with my cousins, um, Jody, Jay and Bob. And, um, Jody was awesome. And not that Bob and Jay weren't, but you know, they're boys and Jody was cool. And then we also stayed at, um, my aunt Ruth and uncle Bob's house and their family kind of was like a mirror to our family, six kids, super fun. Um, And Mary Jo and Tammy, amazing sisters. And um, my sister and I obviously are sisters. So we always like identified like, just it's fun to have cool sisters. And we're so cool. Except I don't know that Susie and I are ever as cool as Mary Jo and Tammy. But yeah, and we also had a cousin Sherry. And so much fun staying at my cousin's house and getting to know my cousins and now they are a huge important part of me and and family. When I when I speak of family, um oh my cousins are raped way high on my family list and I love them all. So I just love that the Bible really does give lots of specific examples. There are more, too. The Bible talks about rich families. Um, The man who asked, you know, how do I, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, go sell everything and, you know, come back. And he's like, whoa, whoa all of a sudden material things mean a whole lot, but he's got a whole lot, right? He's rich and not all rich people are bad. So I'm just going to make sure to say that out loud. But my point being is there's rich people in the Bible. There's also poor people in the Bible. Um, You know, Ruth and Naomi, they were pretty poor and There's lots of um, other families that did not have very much. Jesus's own family didn't have very much. There are widows. In fact, the widow, um, she's a poor widow because she gives the only coin that she has as an offering. So there's widows and orphans in the Bible. And it specifically says, take care of widows and orphans. Like, That's important. There are single guys in the Bible. Paul is a perfect example. It never says that he is married. Um, I giggle because it makes you wonder if he dated. (laughs) Clearly not important. He was dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ because prior to that, he was uh, absolutely dedicated dedicated Jewish man who followed Jewish law, and in the biblical times, he persecuted people who were Christians. And so for him to become a Christian, big, big deal, absolutely. And so he sort of then learned what it was like to have the hospitality of other families and often spoke of it in his letters, where he would mention specific people um, and thanked God for them. And so you can imagine those were close family friends that he would consider. And I'm sure they considered Paul part of their family as well. And so, like I said, so many Things in the Bible, so many things in the Bible that point to families and talk about families and talk about honoring your mother and your father and um, verses about children. But there are people without children. Um, Anna is a prophetess that was married and her husband died, and she spent the rest of her days waiting for the Messiah and following God and Paul didn't have any children and I'm sure there are others, but just saying that families are so different. And I think it is important to talk about Jesus's family because what a giant wreck of a family that was. And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but first of all, Mary finds out that she's going to have the baby That would be the Messiah, and she's like, "Hey, I'm a virgin. How's that going to happen?" And Gabriel tells her that the Lord, the the Holy Spirit will overshadow her, and it will be this immaculate conception. And so, no doubt, when she told Joseph, he thought, "Yeah, liar, liar, pants on fire," and. Clearly your pants are hot pants because how'd you get pregnant in the first place? So he's furious and who knows why he didn't rage to the point of having her stoned. Maybe he was embarrassed. Like maybe he felt like that would look poorly on him. Um, Maybe he did love her so much that he didn't want to hurt her in any way. Um, Who knows? What we do know is that, thank goodness for a good night's sleep and an angel interrupting your sleep to tell you, hey, Mary isn't lying, and you got a big job to do, buddy. And so Joseph becomes, I guess, the first step dad, because he's not the DNA dad, but he marries the mom and raises the kid, So I guess that's a stepdad or uh, you wouldn't say foster dad because, well, you kind of would say foster dad because he does end up giving him back to the real dad. So interesting, right? Like Joseph's role as a family person is interesting. Joseph does become the DNA biological father to four brothers of Jesus and some sisters And clearly, we don't know much about any of the sisters. None are called by name in the Bible or went on to do things that were pointed out by God, not to say that they weren't beautiful human beings who did beautiful things, that clearly wasn't God's point in what he wanted to share with us. Is That's how I kind of look at things in terms of, we can't assume that they were bad people because they weren't talked about, right? I mean, you can assume that, but it just seems weird. If Jesus is your brother, shouldn't you be a decent human? And they weren't specifically called out as bad people. His bro- He does have a brother, James, though, that would go on to preach the gospel of a risen Lord Jesus Christ. So, one brother definitely sort of went into the whole pastoral um, career, but it is just very, very interesting. We know that Mary is blessed, and that we would revere her for ever and ever and ever, and not and not worship her or hold her in as high esteem as Jesus Christ Himself. But absolutely honor her and what's the word that, and I guess revere or adore or um, understand how special she is. And so that makes good sense to me for sure. And clearly she was a woman that loved God so much. For heaven's sakes, he picked her to be the mother of his one and only son. Very cool. And I think the whole idea of God coming to earth, you know, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So three in one, three parts, one God, all equivalent. And so I think that says a lot about family, too, that God knew That humans would understand family because when he kicked out Adam and Eve from the garden you know he grounded them forever from the Garden of Eden because they broke the rules and that's the rule so he's a good dad that holds his children accountable and they started a family and he said that that would happen and so that's where family starts right at the beginning And clearly he knew all of this was going to happen because he gives his people free will and choice and he created people so he knows that we're all going to make bad choices and he lets us and still he saves us. He saves us on so many levels in so many ways. But at the end of the day, he saves us by coming down as a human and as God in the form of a baby. And I think the irony of that also is nobody cared when Jesus was born. I mean, Mary's pregnant. Joseph's like confused and now realizes like, okay, this is legit. So now they have to register In Bethlehem, because they were from the line of David, and so they're paying taxes and they're registering for the census, census, and they get to Bethlehem, and there's just it's overcrowded, and so somebody gives them space in a stable, sort of cave-like. They say Um, that's a whole other story about the innkeeper isn't bad because he actually gave them a place to stay, but that's a story for Christmas. But anywho my real point is their whole beginning of their family Jesus's family rough rough start um rough cuz she's pregnant and not married um Joseph is still engaged to her and still, you know, obviously he marries her, he's going to go register to, for the census in Bethlehem. She's ready to deliver. She delivers this baby. Who knows who was there helping them? Like, did just Joseph help her deliver the baby? Did some, did the, did the person that gave them the place to say, you know, send his wife or daughters or, you know, holler at somebody in the, village to come help. We don't know. We assume not because it is not mentioned in the Bible. All we know is that angels appeared to shepherds and they came to see the baby Jesus and then word sort of got out from there, but not even that fast. You know, I mean, it's not like social media or the internet or you know where news is instantaneous and so their life just started off hard and they didn't have any money they have to flee to Egypt because Herod is going to kill babies um two and under and so their their life is starting off rough and they get some gifts from the kings, and I only split a gut, or from the wise men. I shouldn't say kings. We call them kings, but they were actually wise men, um, astrologists, and um, people that studied the stars and were smart enough to go after looking for this baby that it would be our Messiah. And they give Mary and Joseph some expensive gifts, but you have to wonder, you know, did they use it just to travel back to Nazareth? Um, who knows? You know, we, we we never hear what happens to the gold frankincense and myrrh, which were all expensive gifts for a king and very prophetic in terms of what they would be used for. But again, I'm kind of digressing into the whole Christmas story because it's a great story, but I just remember Pastor Guy Vogel, who uh, was a pastor at our church for many, many years, and just so smart and so wise. And he spoke of family dysfunction at Christmas time. And I just remember that my <laughs> life at that moment was kind of a hot mess and feeling like, oh my gosh the mother of my Lord that my savior's family was a hot mess too. And their life wasn't easy. And, and yet they still kept moving forward and doing what God asks them to do. And I think that's just a big message for us that When we think our life is perfect, it's not the nativity scene that looks so serene and beautiful in the sweet silent night that we sing about. It was dirty and messy and smelly and gross and painful and hard, and yet God is there. God is there in flesh and in spirit, and that is exciting stuff. And God had it all planned, every messy detail, all the way up to a messy death on the cross. And not just for the Jews, for all of us. So often, I am so grateful to be part of the family of Christ. And it's so easy To become a member of Christ's family. Simply learn who Jesus is and accept his free love. That sounds so hippie-ish, doesn't it? His free love. I love it. I think it's so cool. But it is so true. It is free for us, but it came at a humongous price for Jesus Christ. Um, Death on a cross and and the punishment of hell, but he would be victorious over Satan and over evil and over death, and he would raise again and come back to earth and then ascend into heaven. And so we become adopted into the family of Christ. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 pretty much summarizes it. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one He loves like that is the gospel that is so beautiful for us. Gospel means good news, by the way. So total good news that he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world, before he even created the world. He knew that we would be part of his family And he predestined us to be adopted into his family. That, friends, is truly amazing. So I got one more episode on family. And if you have not truly identified with any of the families in the Bible that we've talked about so far... Hopefully you can identify with the fact that we have this heavenly father who gives us the opportunity to be adopted into the family of Christ by simply accepting the free gift, opening it and acknowledging it as our gift that is Jesus, our savior who died and rose again for Our sins so that we can live eternally with him and I don't know how anybody does it without Jesus I just don't so um, please come back please subscribe please share this with others if you're having fun I know I am and you can also email me it is hippie Christian who cares at gmail.com. I can't tell you how many times I've messed that up in other episodes, so how embarrassing is that? But it is truly hippie christian who cares at gmail.com. If you have ideas, suggestions, um, criticisms, but please be nice because I'm just trying to do this because I love Jesus and I want to share and I love you and the world and everybody in it. So Don't be mean, after all, you're part of my family.